Open your Bibles up to Revelation. Um, this study brought out something in me that uh, I, I kind of uh, I kind of thought that had already been dealt with. We um, I grew up in uh, grew up in rural Indiana. It's a very uh, traditional place to grow up in, even when you don't believe in Jesus, and uh, you know you're not uh, a practicing Christian. It's not uncommon for you to go to church several times a year. And uh, so I, I grew up, looking back, probably I grew up more with a legalistic mindset of Christianity, meaning that Christianity for me was about practices, activities, actions, right things versus not doing bad things. It was Christianity for me. Um, when, I, when Jesus got a hold of my life in 1995, he, I, it was just a, a given. It was imme- I was immediately pulled out of that realizing that Christianity isn't about activities. Christianity is about a person, period. So uh, I wasn't a Christian because I went to church. Uh, I went to church, yes, as a Christian, but it was about him. And I just didn't come to church to sing. Singing was about him, so it turned into worship. And everything in my life began to revolve around him. This, one of the things this study has been, has been bringing out in me is, is it's a redefining of what sin is. Oftentimes, perhaps maybe you're like me, but oftentimes I found myself taking and looking at sin as something. Sin as an act. Sin as something that I did. It's 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 a you know it's a it's a it's a bad word. It's a uh, an inappropriate magazine. It's the wrong TV show. It's it's an attitude that I have. We talk about that as sin, and really, again, that's a legalistic kind of a deal when it comes down to sin, because sin is not just something that's done. Sin is a relational position. It's, a, it's in, intimately tied to how I'm acting with the person, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk to you about that tonight, which is out of uh, the church in Thyatira. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at chapter 2. Verses 18 down through verse 29. I want to, we've got, I've got three studies out of this passage of scripture, and I want to walk you through uh, and introduce just uh, the first two studies, and we're going to look at the third study. When you come into Thyatira in verse 18, verses 18 and 19, Jesus presents himself to the church at Thyatira, and how he does so, he presents himself as the Son of God who has eyes like blazing fire and whose feet are like bronze glowing in a furnace. When you look at that phrase, Son of God, as Jesus presents himself, what we discovered in our first study of Thyatira is that is not a divine title, and it is. In other words, Jesus is the divine Son of God, but Son of God is a human title as well. In other words, when you go through the New Testament, you look at all the places where Son of God appears, it appears more oftentimes applied to you and I than it does to Jesus himself. In other words, you and I are called to be sons of God just like Jesus himself was called to be a son of God. In fact, back in Luke, and there's many passages like this, but back in Luke chapter 3, at the end of that chapter, you have this genealogy uh, given of, of, of Jesus. His, uh, it's basically Luke tra- uh, tracing Jesus' birth and his ancestors all the way back to that of, of, of Adam. And when he does so, he comes down to verse 38 and he tells us that Adam was a son of God. The son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So meaning that Adam was a son of God, and of course we know Jesus is a son of God. Now, Adam was the first human that was ever created. So he was created as a son of God. Now, there is a little bit of a difference. 
Okay? It's the same. Yes, we're a son of God just like Jesus, but Jesus is a son of God by right, which means he can go back to his birth, and he is biologically, organically, he is born of his father. Okay? He has the right to be called a son of God because he is a son of God. You and I cannot go back to our birth and say you and I were born as sons of God. What, what, what the deal is with Adam and Adam's race is you and I were created. We were born having been created for sonship. So the kind of relationship, meaning the kind of relationship that Jesus had with God as a son of God is the kind of relationship that's been offered to you and I. See, Jesus comes and says, I want to show you the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. As I am a son of God, through faith in me, you can be a son of God as well. Because we were created for that. God created Adam to be a son of God. Now, in the passage, and, and if you get throughout the New Testament, if you go throughout the New Testament, you'll find that there are a variety of characteristics of, um, of a son of God. Okay, A son of God is one who is sourced by the Spirit of God. We are the housing of God himself. Paul talks about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And if you spend any time around church and <clears throat> you've read the book of Galatians, you'll know that the fruit, the byproduct of a child of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of a child of God. Now, in the passage, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, Jesus identifies two specific. He doesn't go into some of the details that Paul does, but he identifies two specific characteristics of a child of God, okay? And a child of God has eyes like blazing fire and feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. Now, you can look at me and say, well, hold on. Those are characteristics of Jesus. Yes, but they are characteristics of Jesus who is a human, was and is at this point a human being. He is a child of God like you and I are a child of God. He has eyes like blazing fire and feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. Now, you're going to look at me and say, hey, man, my eyes don't glow. I don't have fire in my eyes. What's it all about? Well, if you go back and you look at fire, and all the book of Revelation, obviously, if you've ever read it, it's imagery language can be kind of confusing. If you go back in the Old Testament, the imagery language that's used specifically in this passage, fire, in the Old Testament, fire was always associated with God, and it was a sign of his holiness. In the Old Testament, in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they followed God, and he was a pillar of... Fire. When, they, when Moses approached the uh, bush, it was, it was burning. There was fire in the bush. Now, the bush wasn't burning. It didn't burn up. It wasn't it was smoke. It wasn't like a, a, you know, a, a kind of wildfire scenario. Okay, that wasn't the issue. It was God was in the bush, and therefore fire was there as well. It's the same thing when Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. The mountain was ringed in fire. Okay, so fire is a symbol of God. Now, in the passage, put this together. It's really neat. In the passage, Jesus says, sons of God have literally, they have eyes like blazing fire. Not that your eyes are, are glowing, but that outside God who is always known as fire, and, by, and it, we can't go into this in detail, but Paul tells us in the Corinthian letters that that God now lives inside of us. And we face our world with unveiled faces and the holiness of God that's inside of us literally affects the way that we see. We have eyes like blazing fire. In other words, as Christians, and this is beautiful, as Christians, you and I do not live by physical sight. You and I live by spiritual sight. Now, you would say, well, what would, what would, what would it look like to live by spiritual sight? 
Well, he gives us an example right in the passage. In, in, the, um, in the address that Jesus gives to the church, he says in verse 20, he says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Now, if you study this and you look at scholars and their interpretation of this, everyone agrees that this woman's name is not Jezebel. Her name's not Jezebel. She's like Barbara, <laughs> okay, or Kim, or whatever. Okay, her, her, her Barbara, Kim, or Sandy, her name is not Jezebel. Jezebel, again, is an Old Testament figure. It's the epitome of sin in the Old Testament, okay? So he, Jesus says, listen, I want you to see this woman, Barbara, with spiritual eyes. She is filled with what Jezebel was filled with in the Old Testament. He sees her with spiritual eyes. So a characteristics of a, of a child of God is they do not just merely operate out of physical sight. They operate out of spiritual sight. You see with eyes that are just, it's revelation of the Holy Spirit, okay? God reveals to you, spiritual eyes. He goes on and he talks about, along with the eyes, he talks about the, uh, that, uh, the, that the children of God have feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. That, that too is Old Testament imagery. Going to the Old Testament, God is consistently viewed as having bronze legs. Not just feet, but bronze legs. The idea is, is where God is going, it's where God is going. You get in his way, he's going to smash you. Okay? So God is going to go where he's going to go. In the New Testament hour, in the book of Revelation, the sons of God, we have those same direct, sure feet living inside of us. In fact, what Jesus says to the church, just a couple churches down the, down the road here in Philadelphia, he says in verse 8, he says, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut, meaning, hey, I am taking you to a place, I am leading you in a place that literally no one can prevent. Where I'm going to take you is where I'm going to take you. What I'm going to complete in you is what I'm going to complete. Here's the picture. This is really important. Okay? We want to know what a Christian is. A Christian, first first and foremost, is a child of God. They're not slaves, okay? They are children of God that are operating, sourced out of the Spirit, seeing in ways that they cannot see and living in ways that they cannot live. It's the first thing that he covers. So he talks about literally, hey, he says to the church in Thyatira, as I am a child of God, you are children of God. Now the issue with Thyatira, and, and hear this, they are tolerating things. As children of God, they are tolerating things that no child of God should tolerate. Okay? The big issue going on in Thyatira is that of sin. Jesus says, you are tolerating this woman Jezebel. And the whole picture of Jezebel is a woman of sin. You are tolerating sin, and no child of God tolerates sin. Now, the issue with sin in the passage, it, I found this remarkable... Nothing in the passage tells you exactly what she is doing. Well, she's been stealing money from the church. <laughs> it doesn't give us any of those details. Well, she's lied to this person over here. And, well, she shot someone the other day. And, well, she's had this attitude week after week after week. It doesn't tell you any of the physical details of what she's doing. That's because sin is not just physical kinds of stuff that's done. The whole issue around sin revolves around this idea of authority in the passage. And, G, and we won't go into the detail of that, but it's the whole issue, everything revolves around. In fact, if you go down to verse 26, Jesus says, when you deal with this woman, which is what it means to overcome for them, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I'll give authority. In other words, I will give you authority back. Now, let me give you an example. Stay with me. You want to know what sin is and what I mean by authority? Sin is literally looking at the enemy and saying, Satan, 
I, I, I give you a place of authority in my life. That's what sin is, okay? So uh, I've I been given the uh, illustration of this. I, um, I bought a car. I bought a uh, gas guzzler, my word, and it is a gas guzzler, but I bought a, a Ford Eddie Bauer little SUV thing. Like it, it's okay, it's a car. But I've uh, been looking for one for a while, and after I bought it, I realized I had to put plates on it. Well, I'd forgot about paying tax because as a minister, I've been, you know, tax exempt on everything that I do for a long time. It's been great that I forgot that now I have to actually pay tax on what I, what I purchased. And I was talking to my neighbor about it out there at the house not too long ago, and I was telling him, I said, yeah, I got this new car. I'm going to buy it. Just right before we left, went back on the road to go pick it up. I said, yeah, I bought this car. I'm excited about getting it. It's going to be great. And uh, I said, yeah, but I forgot I got to pay tax on this. So it's not just, you know, X amount of dollars for the, for the car, but I got three or $400 to pay in tax as well. And the guy goes, well, there's a way around that. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's what you do is on the title, instead of putting down what you actually paid for it, just put down you paid like a couple hundred dollars for it. I was like, you can do that? He goes, oh, yeah. You'll save a ton of tax. And even if the people are uncomfortable with it, if you chuck them $100, it's still going to save you money in the law. I said, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. And then it kind of stuck. I thought, hold on. Hold on. That's not only lying. That's stealing. So that's a kind of a two-for-one kind of a deal. That's, I'm lying and stealing with that. And I told him, I said, well, that's, that's dishonest. And he goes, well, it's just a white lie. I don't know if you know this, but there are white lies, gray lies, and black lies. Did you know that? No, there's not. It's <laughs> just lying, okay? And the issue, you say, well, yeah, but it's not like a real serious lie. Do you know what he says about lying? See, sin is not just, well, it's a, it's a couple hundred bucks. Come on, it's not hurting anybody. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not hurting anybody, okay? The issue is sin. What would be happening if I did that? And God really spoke to me on this because I wanted to save a couple hundred bucks. But God really spoke to me and said, hey, what, what the issue would be is I would be saying, Jesus, hey, I, I love you. I'm living for you. I'm a minister. I'm traveling. But just butt out of this one. And I would be saying, Satan, I give you authority in the financial aspect of my life. I want you to come in, and I want you to be the CEO of all financial uh, transactions in my life. I give you permission and authority to be here. That's what sin is. And you understand how serious that is, even when the scriptures tell us when Jesus comes and deals with us, Satan looks at him and says, hey, he said I could be here. You can't, have, he said I could be here. That's what sin is. And the older generation called that a foothold. See, that's what sexual sin is all about. Sexual sin is not just about the act of sex. Sexual sin is, Satan, I want to see sex the way you see it. I want, to, I, want, I want you to come in my life, and I want you to control my bodily drives so they don't operate according to his plan, but they operate according to your plan. That's what sin is. It's all an authority. You give the enemy authority to be in your life. It's not just an event. Now, we walk through this, and that's powerful. We walk through the passage, and Jesus, in, in essence, comes to Thyatira, and he says, listen, you've got a huge problem. You are created to walk and live as children of God. You're not slaves. You're not just people that creations that God loves and pats on the head and wants to save you. You are, you are children of God. And you are to see with spiritual eyes. You're to walk with, with overcoming feet that God is leading and guiding in your life. You're called to live like that. But instead, 
You're tolerating sin. You have given the authority of the enemy to live in your life. You've invited him to come in, and you've given him a place in your life. Now, what I want to talk to you about tonight is this begin to dawn on me. There's a, there's a hole when you're talking about anything spiritual, which is everything to do with you and I. Rob Bell uh, put a chapter in one of his recent books called Everything is Spiritual. Everything is Spiritual. Not some things, not have something spiritual in my life, something physical. He said, everything is spiritual. And I find it interesting when you come in the passage, the real issue at stake for children of God is one of fatherhood. Hear me on this, okay? It's one of fatherhood, okay? You were created to be a child of God, which means God created you so he could be your father. He wants to father you, Okay? The whole idea in the creation of Adam was not simply that, you know, God wanted subjects. He didn't want best friends. He didn't want buddies. He wanted children. And Adam was his son. In fact, as we, as we just learned, Jesus is the example of what a son of God looks like. And all throughout, for instance, the book of John, Jesus refers to God as his, which is one of the reasons the leaders of Israel were so upset with him. See, God, he never called him God. He called him Father. In fact, Paul says that we're to call him Abba, which is Daddy. It's intimate kind of language. Now, this colors everything. Because when you look at, when, 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 uh, when Jesus says, hey, as a child of God, you're to see with eyes like blazing fire, and you're to walk with feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. See, all of that is fathering kind of language. For example, for the child of God to see with eyes like blazing fire gives you the idea that God wants to father you in how you view. See, the, the, it isn't that God's standing over there saying, this is how I want you to view this, and no, don't look at it like that. I want you to look at it like this. It's not that kind of a thing. There's, there's a fathering aspect in the midst of that. It's, it's, it's the closest illustration we can come to it would be the illustration that the New Testament writers use is the way that I'm with my boy. Um, and my daughter, I, I teach my son, um, I teach my son how to view, not just, not just what to view and what not to view. It's why he shouldn't view that. Um, some of the children's programs that he watches, we were talking to one of the ladies tonight, she, yeah, she's like, uh, she went back and, uh, and turned on the TV for him and said, I want to watch a children's program. And she got ready to click on SpongeBob, and CJ, what he said, I can't watch that. Or actually, I don't watch, I don't watch that. And when we, we talk to him about that, there are just some, and if you watch, you know, SpongeBob, just be convicted. But the deal is, is that um, we told my son is, hey, it's not just I don't want you to watch SpongeBob, it's that there are forms of, there are forms of humor what SpongeBob thinks is humor, how he picks on the other characters, is just the whole nature of that show. We don't find that humorous. And do you want me to treat you like that? He was like, no. And I, I thought, that's my role as a dad. I, I hate the idea that the dad is, well, I put food on the table. Well, come on. Come on. And actually, you don't even do that. Your wife does. So the deal is, it's, it's a, you know, hey, Fatherhood is not about putting a roof over someone's head. It's about walking my child through. It's, it's holding his hand. And my daughter, it's holding her hand. And, and I'm going to hold my daughter's hand. That's a spiritual role of my life in her life is I'm to walk her through uh, 
adolescence. I'm going to walk her through maturity as she goes through puberty. My wife and I are going to say, this is your body. This is what it looks like. This is how you're to treat it. This is how you're to, to walk around. The responsibility that you have with beauty. See, that, that is my role as a father. There's a fathering aspect to that. And when you get into the scriptures, it's really, really significant. It's really, really significant that uh, as he's talking specifically to this church, all the language here is with, with, the, uh, with the eyes and with the feet, it's reminiscent of Father. For instance, one of the illustrations that uh, I begin to think of when uh, it talks about uh, children of God have feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. See, yes, God is going to, for the, for the believer, for the child of God in the direction of his life, which is what feet represent, in the direction of his life, see, literally, God is fathering us and how we walk. And, and it's not some, and, and Stephen and I were talking about this, it's not, it's not some, like God says, okay, hold my hands and you walk like this. It's, I, I picked up something when you live here in the South. The kids have a Southern accent just like their father does. If you grow up here, you talk, you talk funny is basically what I'm saying. If you grow here, you have, you have this accent, because I don't have an accent. So you have this accent about you. See, what if, Christ, you, you got to get this, what if Christianity wasn't about, yeah, I should be coming to church, and I shouldn't be lying, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't drink and get drunk, and I shouldn't say, what if Christianity wasn't about any of that stuff? That that's just, here, that's just surface level junk. What if Christianity was, God wants you to walk like he walks, have the limp that he limps with, have the attitudes that he has, feel about the things that he feels about, the same way that he feels about them. That you're his, you're a chip off the old block. Now, what's really significant about this is when you come back, this is beautiful. If you have your Bibles open, go back with me to John, the book of John. In John chapter 5, <laughs> it's really significant. In John chapter 5, the leaders of Israel are all bent out of shape over something that Jesus done. He's healed this guy on the Sabbath. They're all been out of shape. The first 15 verses give us all the details of, of what Jesus did. When you come into verse 16, it tells us how the leaders of Israel responded to this. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, they persecuted him. Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to his language. My father, do you get that? My father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. Now just so you don't misunderstand that Jesus is saying, well, listen. Dad gets up and runs six miles and then goes down. And so I get up, run six miles. And it's not what he's saying. My dad goes and heals people on the Sabbath. So I, he's not talking about activities. Because when you come down in a few verses, verse 19, Jesus says, in essence, whatever my father does, I do. And whatever I do, my father does. We discovered this some years ago. But the Greek word there for do is, is this Greek word poieo. And I don't know how fluent you are with Greek, but this is a really important word because Poieo, which you translate do, it's, it's not doing like you might think something is done. Hey, what'd you do today? Mowed the yard. That's not poieo. It's not something that's done. Poieo describes in their culture how trees bear fruit, how trees do fruit. You would look at me and say, well, trees don't do fruit. Trees produce fruit. A tree doesn't get up in the spring and say, oh, I'm so behind. <laughs> I got to get the fruit done. Okay. That's not what trees do. It's, it's because of what's going on in a tree in its due season, it will produce fruit. Thus, a pear tree will produce, an apple tree will produce, 
That's, and you understand, that's the same language that's used. You see how this all fits together in the New Testament? It's the same way that the New Testament writers use to describe Christianity. Literally, what Jesus is saying is whatever's going on inside of my father, it's going on inside of me. In other words, he's fathered me. He's, and I walked into the temple. He's trying to explain this to them. I walked into the temple and I saw this guy and I just couldn't help myself. Because literally, I, I've been around my father. I've walked with my father. I've had the attitude of my father. I'm, I'm just walking. And literally, I see him the way my father does it. It's, God had fathered Jesus in all of that. That's all fatherhood language that he's trying to describe in chapter 5. Now, hear me. That's really important because the issue, and keep your finger in John chapter 5. That's really important for our passage because when you come when you come into Thyatira, hear this, hear this. I don't want to go too quick. The issue of sin is not even yeah I've given a place for for Satan to have authority in my life. That's bad. You have to ask the question. Well, what kind of authority have you given him? You have given Satan authority to be your father. See, sin. This is huge. If God is not my father, Satan is my father. See, as a Christian, he fathers me. Sin is where Satan fathers me, you'd say. Come on. It's all through the passage. In fact, Jezebel, it doesn't say, listen to this, Jezebel does not produce disciples. Listen to what it says in verse 22. I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children. There's a fathering that takes place through Jezebel. Put this together. See, the issue in Thyatira, <laughs> the issue in Thyatira is, well, someone's stealing out of the offering and we don't like it. That's not what he's talking about. It's not even, well, we've given Satan have authority in our church and we don't like it. That's not even it. Yeah, that's where you're building. But the real issue is, is literally, you have someone that's fathering. It's literally, they're the vehicle by which Satan can move in and father someone. See, when you give sin authority and reign in your body, when you give Satan sex drive, attitude, gossip, lie, whatever, pick one. When you give the enemy authority in that area of your life, he comes in and says, hey, don't listen. Let me father you on how to see. Again, sexual sin. See, sexual sin is not just about, I shouldn't have slept with that person or I shouldn't have looked, uh, looked that way at that person. Sin is, Satan says, yeah, that's the way God has his own thing. Let me father you. Let me move into your life and let me, let me show you, let me mentor you in how to look and act and function in, in sexuality. That's what sin is. In fact, you look at a young boy. Um, God has brought me such a long way. When I was, uh, I was, I gave this illustration out of another study, but we live in a remarkable day. When I was uh, about 12, I saw my first uh, inappropriate magazine, about 12. My dad left home. Mom worked about 90 to 100 hours a week. I was a grown adult by the time I was 13. I had no parental guidance whatsoever. Um, I was even driving back at that age. And um, I saw, we, we got our first magazine. You couldn't get them at the store. Couldn't get, there was no Walmarts. You couldn't get them at a grocery store. Marsh didn't have them. The VP didn't have them. You had to go to a truck stop 
to get them. And even then, you had to be 18 to buy them, okay? It was a total different day and age. Today, on any cell phone, immediate access to it. Free apps, Android market. I mean, I'm seeing at camp 13-year-old kids go and check her out. That's the day in which we live. And that's what? You know, 20, 22 years? This is the day when you'd say, well, yeah, they shouldn't be looking at that stuff. You have, if that is your level of understanding about sin, you're in trouble. I'm telling you, you're in trouble. Because the issue is, well, yeah, the, the video games, they're not the best. You're going to be kidding me. What is at stake, literally, in pornography is Satan, a young boy, he is fathered in that. In some of the most significant, in some of the most transformational times in his life, he's fathered in that. And that's why sin, that's why you have, with sin, it's not just, yes, I won't do that anymore. That's not what's at stake. Sin is not like, yeah, I won't do that anymore and I shouldn't do that, I won't do it. It's not an activity you stop. It's, it's a mindset. If you've given the enemy authority to be in your life and, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore, doesn't release that authority of him. That's why Christianity is about repentance. It's about deliverance. Paul talks consistently about freedom. And what that looks like full-blown, I gave you the illustration of Jesus back in chapter 5. When you go into chapter, a couple chapters in chapter 8, the, the, the leaders of Israel are just absolutely irate at Jesus for calling God their father. And they, they say, in fact, no, God isn't your father. God is our father. And Jesus goes, come on, you're going to be killing me. If God was your father, you would love me. You'd love me because I've come from him and I now am here. In fact, he says, if you look with me, I'm going to give you two different passages. But if you look with me at uh, verse 44, just look at 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. And you say, well, what's his father's desire? Go back a, a few verses into verse 37. He says, I know you are Abraham's descendants, that you're ready to kill me. See, and, and you would say, well, they're, they're going to kill him? Well, where did they learn that? Look at the end of verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Well, why, why did they want to kill Jesus? The enemy fathered them in that. The enemy fathered. And listen to me, guys. They, they were religious people. They're religious people. In the, and I, I've been toying with this over the, over the recent days. And you come in the book of Acts and you have something absolute, the most profound Pentecost, the most profound moment in human history when the Spirit of God is dumped on people and you have a whole group there in Jerusalem that say, they're loaded. That's staggering. That's staggering. They're, they're religious people. They're religious folks. So the issue, the issue here in Thyatira is one of, it's one of, it's not just, it's not just I did something bad. Jesus doesn't come and say, you've got sin going on in the church. People are stealing money. They shouldn't be. That's, that's not what this, that's not what's at stake. He's not even coming and saying, you've got people there that, that are giving the enemy authority in their lives. That's not even what's at stake. What's at stake is, is you've got people there that are being fathered by the enemy. You're to be fathered by God. You're to see like he sees and, and walk and overcome like he walks and, 
And, you, and what's, you're not only falling in that, but literally the enemy has moved in among you and he's, he's literally mentoring you, mentoring you as a, he is your father. Now, if you go back and look at Adam, when Adam first sinned, Satan did not come to Adam and say, hate God. He, if you go back and look, he didn't even say rebel against God. He said, God has his perspective. Let me father you in how I view the tree. And that was the sin. That was the sin. Now, the whole element of fatherhood is it's, it's beyond, and this is, we've been tossing around language with nature, whatever you want to call it. What sin is, is a, it's an ingraining, it is a mentoring that has to be, there is an unlearning process. Uh, I've had teens forever, forever this bothered me. And I almost grew out of even messing with it. It's kind of like the thing, you know, if God was the one who created all things, who created God? <laughs> that thing that keeps you up at night? Okay, it doesn't keep you up. But the deal is, is that I've, argued, I've wrestled with stuff like that, you know, but I, 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 I went back and I thought, well, if sin was such an issue, why do we have to go through this whole charade? Why doesn't God just go, whoa? That's not the issue. That's not, there's, a, there's literally a sinful fathering that's taken place in you and I that God has to walk you through that process. In fact, in the scriptures, whenever sin is talked about, one, it's always, it's never talked about it as an event. Go, go through and read it in the New Testament. Sin is not talked about as an event. It's talked about in terms of an authority that you've given the enemy and he's trapped you. Let me give you three quick passages. Look with me at 2 Timothy. I got to turn to him myself. Uh, 2 Timothy is really easy to find. It's right after 1 Timothy. Which just a couple books back from Revelation. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. If you're not there, I can read it for us. Verse 25, uh, it's in the middle of Paul instructing Timothy how to deal with certain people. So you've got to kind of jump into it in stride with this reading. Verse 25, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them a repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. Here it is. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So in other words, sin, see, Paul just doesn't say, well, yeah, you need to mentor them so they stop doing bad things. <laughs> That's not what sin is. Satan's fathered them. Well, yeah. Now, get this. You say, what does that mean? Well, yeah, you come into a guy who's lived in pornography all his life. He's going to stop looking at porn. Does he stop looking at women in, the way, in that way? The Holy Spirit comes in and brings revelation and says, your wife isn't an object. That this isn't what intimacy looks like in a marriage. So God moves in your life and he fathers you and mentors you. That no, finances is not this. It makes, you, it makes me sick. Tithe is not just giving 10. Yes, Christians tithe. If you're a child of God, yes, you tithe. Which means I give 10%. No, no. No, you give ten percent, not tithe. Tithe is a, it is a, it is a, it is a perspective of finances and its role in the in the propelling of the kingdom. In my my responsibility involvement, literally in the movement of God in my world. That's what tithe is. And I, you would you'd be shocked and startled. And obviously, we're not talking about this church, but all the other churches in the world. That we go to these different churches every week where people, just like robots, throw their tithe every week in the pot 
and have no concept of what they're even doing. And it doesn't seem to match the, the whole concept of their finances and how they operate in their finances and how they live. And it's because sin is not just, it's a trap. They, you've got, the enemy's got them trapped, literally. In fact, one of the things that Paul says, the first thing that he, he says in, after this whole long theological spill in the book of Romans, chapter 12, he says, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The Holy Spirit wants to come in, let you think different, let you see different. You can feel different. Let me give you two other ones really quickly. They're easier. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 20. And these are just a couple that we, I wanted to give you an example. In the whole thing with chapter 8, uh, Simon the sorcerer. In fact, this will be the last one I'll give you. But in chapter 8 with the Simon the sorcerer guy, um, Peter comes and uh, in beginning in verse 20, Peter says, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness. You say, well, what's that whole thing about? Well, Simon, this guy, he had, think about this, he had been fathered all his life. On, he was a rich man, listen to me. He was a rich man with money. Hey, you want something in this world, how do you get it done? You go to a restaurant. You want to be seated first? What do you do? He took that principle, a worldly principle, and brought it into the... And the big deal wasn't about buying. Peter said, there is an underlying worldly fathering of the enemy principle that I see in your life, and you're seeking... That, that, that's not going to take place in this ministry. That's not how we get things accomplished here. In other words, Christianity is not, a, is not an activity. It is literally, there's a principle, there's a fundamental issue in Christianity. It is that God himself is bringing us along as children. He's, he's moving on the inside. He's fathering us on how we live, see, walk, talk, minister, interact with one another. That that's what Christianity is. Christianity is not just, you know, I don't do bad things and I try to do all the good things that I can. And... and um, yeah, I don't, and, and even if we grow a level, it's, it's not about, yeah, I don't, I don't give the enemy authority in my life. It's the real issue is, I, and we've said this forever, but I want to see the way you see, and I want to feel the way you feel. That's, that's what sin is. That's the, that, that's the real deal, what matters the most, Christian concept, is that God is fathering me in the way that I live every single day. I don't, I don't know where this is, is uh, bringing you about. This changes, just one small last thing. This changes the way that I've been viewing sin. I'm a narrow guy. If you followed me around, if you got on my computer, okay, I'm a 37-year-old kid. If you followed me around, you got on my computer, you, you looked really close, spied on me when you didn't know... <laughs> You wouldn't see much. And so I just, I'm a, I'm a narrow individual. But some of the things, so when people, I've had people say this, well, what does God talk to you about? You don't have anything wrong with you. You would not believe when Jesus speaks to me, you always see us cross-style guys and pastors and always coming down and seeking. And, and people think that's, I don't know what they think. They think that's for show or whatever. Where God convicts me and where God has been convicting me as of late is things that I was into 25 years ago. Seriously. 
the things I was into 25 years ago, that I surrendered the deed and yet kept the mindset. I've found in my marriage that I've given up. I gave up sexual sin whenever, 15, 20 years ago when I got saved. But I've, God has revealed to me patterns in my marriage where roles that my wife plays and, and, and issues in our, in our relationship where Jeremiah, I don't think like that. Jeremiah, I don't feel like that. Look, look how you're thinking in this. That's, that's, Christian, that's Christian growth. Issues in finances. Issues in how I deal with people, how I treat my body. See, sin can be, sin does not have to, sin doesn't look what you, what you think it looks like. Sin is a mindset that God convicts me on that I say, I'm not interested. I'm not bad. What if it's not about being bad? What if sin is not being like him? You are created to be a spitting image of your dad. That, that's the issue. It's not about while well, I come to church. <laughs> come on. Jesus said many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord. Many are going to say, I did all. It's not the issue. You are called to, to feel the way he feels. See the way he sees.